I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we start off with the weekend review. What movies and TV shows we've been talking about, or watching, I should say, since the last episode. Move on to the main event, which is either a topic of discussion or main review. And then finish up with film faves. Our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic often marching back through time. This episode is a lot different, though. It is our 2019 roundup. It is one of our last efforts to try to catch up with movies from the year in preparation for our 2019 best of the year episode, uh, which is coming down the line. So what we'll do in this episode is it'll kind of start out like a week in review. Uh, it's more like a, a, a supersized week in review, isn't it, Shanna? Yeah, sure. In the sense that uh, what I mean by that is really like it starts out with what movies or TV shows one of us has watched. And then uh, particularly movies, actually, in this case. And then it's really more like what movies have we watched, right? So we're going to go, I'm going to start off talking about a couple movies I've seen. And then we're going to talk about a few movies that we have seen together a little bit, spend a little bit more time than usual on each movie. And uh, that, that will be the episode. So let's dive on into it, starting with a couple movies I've seen. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is the first one I was going to talk about. This is based on a, a story, a book, or a series of books for the young adult crowd that was around when I was a kid. Did you read the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark books when you were a kid? I don't know if it actually reached South Africa. So had it reached South Africa, I don't know if I would have done it mm. anyway. I remember they had very interesting illustrations, kind of a creepy oh. covers. And because Goosebumps had taken over. So right. I don't think we that would have been on my radar. I think it might have come out shortly before Goosebumps became a thing, if I remember correctly. But my memory of these are very vague. But I was curious see how these this movie had had well treated the material and i had heard decent things about it so i checked it out and you know what it's fine it's this is not a great film it has one laughable line in it as a matter of fact I, let me let me back up by explain before I, I explain what that is this is basically a collection of stories adapted into one movie so a group of like teenagers, they stumble upon this old diary in this house, and essentially this this girl was writing all these stories, and and it stopped after a certain point. Well, what happens is uh, they take the the book with them, and suddenly like the book starts writing more stories, and it's essentially writing these stories as they happen, and then they're happening to individual members of the group of teens okay so that's kind of the basic idea of it and it's fine it's fine it, it does have one really silly line from one of the main characters uh who basically says we're not reading the book the book is reading us but i saw the film as a serviceable introduction to modern horror for someone of a certain age you know preteens or whatever you know after i recommend showing your kids you know the universal monster movies of the 30s and 40s this is a, a logical introduction to more contemporary horror it works it's effective it's not lame like that one line might lead you to believe it has some pretty effective mid-level scares and and thrills in it but it's certainly not going to knock anyone's socks off. It's not taking things to a, a whole new level in horror or rewriting the wheel here. It's, you know, just a serviceable adaptation, you know? So if you're looking for something just for fun or uh, just something to watch with your kid, that's a, a decent horror film, a great, you know, way to dip your toe or their toe into the genre then I recommend Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I give the film a 6 out of 10. 
All right. So continuing the theme of horror, the next film I saw was It Chapter 2. This, of course, is completing the story started in 2017, adapting Stephen King's monstrous novel, no pun intended, which, uh, of course, stars Bill Skarsgård as the the famous Pennywise clown who feeds on fear, apparently. And this tale is mostly about the Losers Club as adults being coaxed back to Derry to deal with Pennywise once and for all, who has now come back 27 years later to feast once more on, on the citizens of the town. So the adults include James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, and it was pointed out to me the Old Spice guy. I don't uh, remember his name, but apparently he's in the movie. I didn't realize that was him while I was watching it. I was like, oh, the old, okay, the Old Spice guy. I'm glad he's got other work. That's very cool. There's a lot of anticipation leading up to It Chapter 2, especially after the success of the first half of the story being one of the be- the decade's best horror films. Such a great adaptation of the children's half of that story. Um, I'm checking his name, by the way. His name is actually the Old Spice Guy. His name is Isaiah Mustafa. He plays Mike Hanlon. Anyway, there's also a guy named James Ranson who plays an older Eddie. And I swear, he has a rubber face that is akin to Jim Carrey. There is a few scenes where he actually looked similar or is making faces similar to Jim Carrey made, uh, what Jim Carrey made in the early 90s. It was really weird. And I'm not familiar with that actor. I haven't seen his stuff. But back to the actual movie, it's fine. It's not, it's not a huge disappointment. It is a mixed bag. It's almost three hours long. And it doesn't really justify its length. It's a little bit clunky as a result, a little bit repetitive. We kind of go through some of the same motions uh, through the characters, you know, being scared individually. Uh, A little too much. It could have been a much tighter translation, a much tighter script. I'm not sure that all the scares really land as well as they could should have or could have like the 2017 version the movie starts off within i don't know first 10 15 minutes you have a scene of some violent homophobia where um literally there's gay bashing of the literal variety and then it's followed up by domestic a scene of domestic violence and the domestic violence scene, I think, plays a little bit better because it 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 plays to one of the main characters and their past and and how basically their past has gotten them stuck in the present in terms of relationship dynamics they end up getting their self self stuck into. But the the gay bashing scene, the the violence scene, it kind of sticks out of the whole overall picture. It's not it doesn't make much sense. As to why it's in the story, I, from what I understand in the source material, there's a lot more to it. And it, it speaks to, there's a greater picture of Derry, the town Derry, and why this incident happens in the first place. And none of that is present in the film. So you just kind of have this, you know, jolting, started off with a kick and a, and a, a slam, sort of beginning that that really kind of feels ultimately a little hollow but i will say the the one great thing about this film well a couple great things about this film is one bill Hader is actually a standout in the movie he makes a scene near the end his performance makes a scene near the end quite moving he's great at the the when the comic relief He's great at the comic relief thing, but he has actually a lot of character uh, to him. And then the movie has a really solid ending, too, I think. It's much more satisfying than if you were to compare it to the 1990 miniseries, which, Shannon, I don't know if you remember. We've talked a lot about that miniseries. Do you remember the ending of the miniseries very well? I think so. I remember it being really gross and like a spider or something and it was underground and it Mm -hmm. was mucusy and I don't know what they did to kill it, but they killed it down there and then they came out of the cave. Yeah, essentially there's Beth, 
the the redhead character, she takes a slingshot and shoots shoots the monster, and that did it. And the 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 effects are incredibly wonky in the nineteen ninety version, right? Mm. And you're like, really? That's what that's what Pennywise is after all. It's so silly. This one works better. I could promise you. I won't tell you what happens, but I promise you, it does not all end with a slain shot to <laughs> to the monster's head. It's it's a lot better, a lot more satisfying. But uh, I will say the special effects in the movie is often pretty wonky, particularly in the first half. It's like we they blew most of their budget on the cast or something and the production design and didn't have enough to make some really effective CGI at times. But So it's a mixed bag of a movie. It Chapter 2 is, but I do recommend checking it out. Finishing the story, it is worth that much. Uh, I give it a 6 out of 10 as well. So you say you mentioned gay bashing and yeah. domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So are these characters going through real life scares, not just paranormal scares? Uh, it's a mix of both. Like the whole thing is supposed to be a metaphor for childhood scars and how they carry into our adult lives and how how we deal with them. And it is a little bit clunky in terms in that regard. It doesn't really land as well as it should in terms of that theme. But that's why at least one of those two scenes exist. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. Chapter two. Let's move on to movies that we saw together. We're going to transition from one horror to another. There is another horror film that we saw together. We were kind of interested in checking it out in August, but we didn't just we just couldn't make it happen. It is ready or not. I can't believe that in half an hour I will be a part of the Ladomus gaming dynasty empire. Uh, Dominion. We prefer Dominion. I honestly can't wait to be a part of your family. There's just one more thing. And then you are officially part of the family. So at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? I mean, stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. I know you're in here. Jesus, you shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress? Emily? Oh my God! Found her. Oh, help your fucking family! You're just another sacrifice. Do you think this is a fucking game? Yes, hide and seek. Remember? He wanted to get married. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So anyway, what did you think of Ready or Not? Was it as fun as you expected? And and, uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought that there were moments of cliches as far as horror films go. It, although this film has an interesting concept, uh, they should have changed their cliches. I know fam. I have very close family members that are like game crazy, so it made sense to me that they would make a horror film that way inclined. Uh, the ending was a little flat for me. I liked the cinematography though. The color treatment was nice, and Samara Weaving is a really good scream queen. She get her scream turns from like how a normal person would scream and then as the film evolves it gets very animalistic and i really like the evolution of her scream that's a really good observation i felt like the movie didn't quite execute their original concept as well as say cabin in the woods or quiet place it was just there was like the ending was 
the only thing that threw me off a little. And we spoke about that. Not that the uh, those two movies are the same, right? You're talking about in terms of executing their In terms their, of uh, having premise. something new okay, to yeah. show us. I think if you have something new in the horror genre to show us, then I think you need to be very careful and very precise with your storytelling and not be cliché. Okay. Uh, are you able to give any examples of clichés without giving like specifics? Of what happens to who? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking really hard about it, and I don't think it's possible for me to do that. But there's certain lines that are very cliched, and the certain character elements are cliched. Hmm. Okay. Um, when it didn't necessarily need that. It could have been written a little differently. The dialogue, specifically. Okay. Okay, so most of the cliches were in the dialogue. Yeah. Not not necessarily events or, or what have you. Okay. I had a blast with Ready or Not. Honestly, it, it was just a, about as fun as I expected it to be. It's sometimes gruesome, but it wasn't as who it wasn't as gory as I was afraid it was going to be. I mean, like there's a woman who carries an axe, let's say, you know, so that put me on edge. You know, what's going to happen with that axe? It's a giant freaking axe, you yeah. know. But so I I was pleased that from from me and my kind of sensitivity it wasn't as gory as I was afraid it was going to be it wasn't but it did have some pretty gruesome moments in it and so you know that that's kind of satisfying you're right Samara Weaving is awesome she is a star in this film basically I mean she handily carries uh this movie you really didn't need any other star power not that there's a lot of weighty star power in the movie to speak of but she's certainly one who could sell a film in in hollywood parlance mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so she has a lot of potential i i hope to see down the line for her i know her from picnic at hanging rock the mm. series mm-hmm. and she was fantastic in that too and i guess she had a small part in three billboards outside ebbing missouri i cannot remember who she w- oh she was the girlfriend of the guy that sells the billboard space right i don't remember is that what it is? i think because she screams in that Okay. Oh, that must be her. Okay, okay, I gotcha. I bet that's her. Okay, If gotcha. I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I thought maybe she was the ex-husband's girlfriend. Oh, God. Who had to go to the bathroom, but it's been oh, a maybe while. maybe it's that. I don't remember. Either way, she had, like, maybe a scene in that movie. So she really shines and gets a lot of time in this film, and she's great. Um, so I recommend, ready or not, I give it a 7 out of 10. I recommend this movie for its actress, for its lead. Hmm. Okay, nothing else. And uh, and fun concept, but nothing else. So what do you give it out of, uh, what score do you give it? Like a five. Okay. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to the next film that we saw. Kind of lighten things up a little bit here with Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Now, of course, this is based on the Dora the Explorer cartoon. First of all, Shanna, were you a... Uh, Educational cartoon. Yeah, like you're probably too old to have watched that cartoon, but did are you familiar with you? it? Well, <laughs> it's not like it came I can out. watch what I want. Fair enough. So you're familiar with it. Yeah, so I got to watch a couple episodes when I was nannying one of my kids, and I really liked the show. I thought it was really sweet. I thought that it was great that the kids were learning Spanish and... I really liked that it was like a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. What is that called? A scavenger hunt. Okay. So, yes, I am familiar with the show. And then they made a funnier Die video a couple years back or so, a few years back. That was like the concept of what if Dora was a live action movie, yeah. right? Do you remember any that of that? That was so fucking epic. That this, was awesome. So this seemed like it was that concept brought to life, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question is, A, did it did it actually end up being exactly that? B, did it fulfill the potential and the promise of a live action Dora film? And did you did you like the film? I think the only thing they could have improved upon with converting it to live action mm-hmm. was Swiper should have been a bad guy. Uh-huh. 
you know, like an actual human form. Oh, oh, okay. And then maybe have fox elements to him. Like maybe it's a redhead that's the bad guy, you know, or something uh, like that. Oh, yeah. It's an Irishman or something. Yeah. So Boots made sense, the monkey sidekick. That made sense to me. There were very cute moments in this movie. Some scary, some oh no please, some very like, no, you die from that kind of moments. So it was very cartoonish in some ways. Okay. Still. And Did it did that work for you? I, I thought it was fine because if you think about it, like who are they targeting? They're targeting people that grew up with the show or parents that had to watch the show with their kid. Mm-hmm. And so I, I found it really fun. There are moments where you know, the visual effects were painfully fake. Mm-hmm. Like the forest that they were in looked fake. You know, it wasn't a it's so good it's fake kind of look to it. That's more of a set design thing, yeah. right? The, the story is cute. Dora is awesome. I want to be just like her. And the only thing is I don't really see, see her getting physically hurt or, you know, bogged down for even a second. Like, oh, I got a scrape. I should just like... I should clean that wound or something like that. I would have liked um, them to make her more human in that way. Okay. Uh, but I also love who she is. I love that she knows who she is and she's figuring out what everyone else is doing in high school. And it's pretty nice to see that she kind of just brushes everything off mm-hmm. and gives us a pattern that we can follow. Like, oh, I'm just moving on. And I think that it was clear that their CGI budget ran out near the end mm-hmm. with boots. So mm. and that's what I've got. So it didn't quite, it, it wasn't quite the funny or die movie brought to, to life, essentially, and fully realized. It was something in between the cartoon and that funny or die thing. And you know what? Ultimately, it's a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. And. Who is it? Isabella Merced is an actor, or Isabella Moner is is an actress who I'm not terribly familiar with, but boy, did she, she sell this. She was perfect in this. You, you know, she has a, not necessarily a naivety or what have you, a certain innocence uh, to her and, and a, a general good nature about her that is just absolutely adorable and you just kind of want to protect her from any jerks coming around her or someone who's maybe too cynical and is going to you know react to her in a negative way that might be hurtful you know you just want to be very naturally protective of her good nature and who she is you know and and so she works really well in this uh, in this film and it is enjoyable it's a great family adventure movie Mm -hmm. you're looking for something for the family to watch or you know even with kids that are pre-teens or early teens i think this movie works really well with still i think that you're right the cgi i think i will go even further with the cgi i think the cgi is bad from moment one okay there is a lot of stuff like boots included where the first moment you see these things you're like oh god that's what we're in for okay uh it, it's clear that for whatever reason they didn't have enough of a budget to make very convincing and and good and interesting cgi and but what's interesting is this movie has for the most part it grounds itself in a certain degree of reality right mm-hmm you know, there's animals, and she interacts with animals, and Boots is really the only one that she talks with and stuff. Boots doesn't talk generally, but, you know, there is a reality to this movie, and there's one character who was so obviously a, tra- a literal translation from the cartoon that if you had not seen the cartoon, it was completely baffling and, and so out of place of everything else and bizarre and that is Swiper, uh, who is voiced. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you didn't know. No, I was like, what the? Okay, so we're in this world where there's a family who, you know, homeschooled in the jungle, essentially. And it's an adventure family. They explore. They don't steal treasure. They just explore and find and learn, right? And she goes to a high school in the States, in I think Southern California, if I remember correctly, something like that. And... What's his name? The uh, cousin, uh, Diego. He's yeah. he's there. He's already been transplanted out of this 
natural environment long ago and he's already acclimated to the american lifestyle and there's some conflict between the how they respond to each other there and how she remembers him and all that and all this reality like this works right but then you all of a sudden have a fox with a bandana on its face running around on its hind legs stealing things you know running really quickly and it's like what is going on yeah you know he's voiced by benicio del toro and he just did not work that's the one thing that like if anything did not work in this movie it is swiper but it is an enjoyable and fun film i i think that you know the nick stoller and james Baldwin, who actually did the muppets in 2011 very successfully i think one of the best muppet movies ever made uh it makes sense that they're the ones behind this one uh too they also did i think they did like Forgetting Sarah Marshall or one of those kinds of movies, too. And you could kind of see how they introduced some of that kind of humor into this movie in really hilarious and creative and surprising ways. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think the movie is, is actually more fun than you might expect it to be. Yeah. So I would give the film an enthusiastic 6 out of 10. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think 6 is fair. Yeah, and, and it sounds like we both enthusiastically enjoy it, or uh, I recommend it. Yes. Very good. All right, so getting a little more serious, as, as most of the films out right now are, uh, let's transition to the next film, which is a documentary called One Child Nation. I was born in China in 1985, a time when China's population crisis was making headlines around the world. In an effort to protect its people from starvation, China has enacted a policy limiting families to just one child. I never thought much about what the policy meant for me or anyone until I learned that I was going to be a mom. None of my family questioned the policy or how it was implemented. Throughout my life, I was taught to believe the love of my country was equal to love of the government and the party. I was so angry, even with my own family, that there wasn't more to be said or done. Everyone we spoke to said the same things about the policy. I wondered if most people in China really thought it was worth the sacrifices each family made. Pretty rough stuff. So this documentary details what that generation went through during that time period and what it's like after that 2015 period with the nation trying to adjust. Yeah, you know, I I think it's something that wasn't really talked about. Uh, You know, I know as a South African, I think I was nine or ten when I learned that China would only allow one child per family. Mm. And that's an early age to learn something like that. Mm. So, you know, you never had more information than that. And so it was really important that I got to learn the rest of the info. And I think that if we have to look at it now, 2015, I I believe it's in 2015, the law changed to you can have two children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that affects things. I think that there's still awful stuff happening, like sterilization, forced sterilization. And uh, there's other elements to talk about, too. Do you want us to get into that? We can dabble a little bit in some of the things that it touches on. First of all, I think the film is fascinating. Yeah. In that it goes into a variety of different uh, aspects of what would what happens when when such a thing yeah. exists it also talks about why such a thing existed in the first place you know and as well as like well what's the effects of of that and that's interesting because like for me 
really awful things happened because of this doctrine, right? Yeah. I think it's it's very hard to argue otherwise, right? That really, really awful things happened to people. And there's there's a lot of family separation. There's a lot of families that didn't know that other members of the families existed, all sorts of things that we can we can dabble in in a second here if you want to. But like ultimately this doctrine did its job, which yeah. is really interesting, right? Which the whole thing is the country's getting way overpopulated, right? And it becomes apparently such a huge problem come the late seventies, early eighties, that the government's like, we need to do something about this to pause our population a little and slow it down. And ultimately it worked, right? It achieved its goal, right? It paused its and slowed down its population uh, for a good 30 years or something. And that's, that's interesting because like, okay, there is in the future, potentially like it, it helps ultimately with the, like the, um, the country's population overcrowding and all that sort of stuff. But like what sort of effects are a result of that? I think it's, imp- you know, you're saying, Oh, it worked. And all I can think of is Handmaid's Tale. So let's just <laughs> let's just relax there for a second. Which I haven't seen. I they haven't have seen. they have new issues now. Yes, because exactly. Because of this. And yes. their issue is there's not enough people to look after the elderly. Mm-hmm. There's not enough people. Yeah. That's and fascinating too. Th- you know, obviously that's gonna become an issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about what was happening during its Let's talk about all the bad stuff. Yeah, let's talk about all the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's good to acknowledge that bad stuff happens. So what, what were yeah. some of the things? Because, you th- you know, from the outside perspective, you think, oh, well, then they must have everything under control. <laughs> they, they didn't. They were essentially women were tortured in some sense because they weren't allowed to have children. They also are not allowed, and I think up to this point, they're not allowed to see the sex of their fetus. Mm-hmm. Um, because boys are more valued, for lack of a better term, boys are more valued than, sons are more valued than daughters. Yes, and can you remember why that was? The son, according to someone who was interviewed, the son will carry on the family name, Mm -hmm. and the daughter will not. The daughter will merge with another family. Right. Which also speaks to, well, are we a little homophobic there too? But... You know, it doesn't really get into that. It doesn't get into that, and mm. I don't know what what how that is accepted or not in China. But I really loved how how different people were interviewed in this documentary. Let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. There were different midwives that were talked to. There was a midwife that you know. Essentially, what we have to remember is all these people were forced into implementing this law. And by being forced to implement this law, that meant that midwives and people who were on that team had to prevent women from getting pregnant again via sterilization or prevent a second baby from coming. So abortion, forced abortion. And the common refrain among all of them is we had no choice. Yes, which mm-hmm. it makes sense because if they did get caught, they would be imprisoned. So it's not the best rule for a government to make for a country, but here we go. One midwife that got talked to, that got interviewed, was very interesting. She spoke about how she did it for 15 years. She did something like 10,000 sterilizations yeah. or abortions, right. or it was a mixture of the two. And she realized that she couldn't do it anymore because some of these abortions were happening at eight months. Some of them were happening at five months. There's a reason why abortion laws state, you know, don't go further than I, I believe it's three months or four yeah. months, you yeah. know. It's like the uh, second trimester, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this woman spoke about how she had to retire. She couldn't do it anymore. And what she ended up doing as retribution for this this bad that she had done was helping you know, couples get pregnant. Mm. And she switches on a light and you see these flags that have been given to her as appreciation for couples helping them get pregnant. And then she goes into another room and she switches on a light and this room is plastered in flags. And then she goes into another room and it's like, okay, there's, there's hope at the end of the tunnel. Maybe this is what a lot of midwives did. 
not necessarily because then we go and we uh, you know we're on the journey and another midwife is interviewed and she's still carrying on with the you know what the law has in place and then you know I'm watching this movie and I think to myself well shoot some babies do get uh, you know born and they don't get kept what's happening to those children and then I realize I know a lot of Chinese babies who were adopted. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, uh, it talks about adoption agencies. Then I yeah. realized, oh, we've got our own human trafficking ring going on. And so that was fascinating to learn and horrifying and awful. And, I, you know, I don't know how, you know, how is someone going to feel when that is them? And they're now an adult and they're watching this documentary and they realize, oh, shoot, this is what happened to me. There was also a lot of... There wasn't openness with adoption agencies. Adoption agencies lied. Right. Yeah. In terms of where the the baby came, came from. from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we we find out that oh, one family had twins, and so they took one of the twins. Right. And said, oh, you have to pay five hundred dollars to get your baby back. Next day it was a thousand. Next day it was fifteen hundred. Right. Right. And people can't in the rural areas. They you know they don't have money for that, and so they lost their child. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the system was set up against uh, them from ever being able to do that, and, and that's you know it's really interesting. It, it, it you, you talk about human trafficking, and that's a aspect of human trafficking that that's not what comes to my mind when I think of human trafficking. It's kind of interesting, you know. Um, it's very organized. It's an an organized human trafficking ring that has the law on their side. Yes, yeah. It's fascinating, and you know. It's also interesting because this movie, because you mentioned like how late some of the abortions were and all this sort of stuff, it could be very easily interpreted as a very pro-life movie or a good movie for pro-lifers. But then also because of the whole crux of why this all that has happened, I could see people who are like the ones who are like, why should I add to the population of the world? Yeah. Like, really see their point being made in this in this movie in, in a way you know like some 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 um good evidence or uh, you know reasoning to of, back them up too there's you a know? lot of generation of understanding coming from this film mm. if you're paying attention i am certainly of the opinion of if you need to abort your child for medical or other reasons you know within the time frame that is safe i i am completely supportive you know it's the movie ends with it's a woman's choice and here's this country controlling it and of course america's trying to control it too uh, on the other side of the spectrum yeah and so, and not necessarily for different reasons both countries for different reasons so it yeah. it really is something that makes you think makes you talk about you know, all the different aspects of bearing children. It's very complex. And surprisingly, it's not nearly as depressing as I expect it to be. No, as it's a very matter of fact. Yes. And so I think as one of the, you know, standout documentaries of the year, which I don't know that this has been a very big year for documentaries, but I think it's definitely worth ch- checking out on Amazon Prime. And um, I think I give... The film, because of its complexity and and kind of eye-opening nature about this subject that has more, way more to it than you might expect, I give the film an 8 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Um, I give it a 9. Oh, very cool. It's, I think it's really important and wonderful. Awesome. All right. So we have a couple more movies left. The next film for us to talk about is also an Amazon film. Actually, it's called The Report. After 9-11, everyone was scared. Scared it might happen again. It was my second day of grad school. Next day, I changed all my classes to national security. Morning, Dan. Morning, Senator. Have you seen the story today in the New York Times? Evidently, the CIA destroyed tapes of interrogations of Al-Qaeda detainees. I want to find out what was on the tapes and why they were destroyed. No paper. Paper is a way of getting people in trouble at our place. At our place, paper is how we keep track of laws. Last night I found this. 
He's detaining number 24. Have you guys used this thing before? No, we watched the video. They waterboarded him 183 times. Everything they got from him was either a lie or something they already had. If it works, why do you need to do it 183 times? Maybe when the report comes out, people will finally see that. I vehemently disagree with the narrative here. The United States does not torture. Dan, you need to be careful here. They can't destroy the documents. They can go after the next best thing, you. They claim they saved lives, but what they really did was make it impossible to prosecute a mass murderer. Because if what we did to him ever came out in a court of law, the case is over. The guy planned 9-11. We will not allow this to be covered the up. The intent is to gain intel, save American lives. History is written by the victors. We need to change our approach. How is that even ethical? Nothing could be further from the truth. Democracy is messy. If the Times had your report, we would print it tomorrow. No. If it's going to come out, it's going to come out the right way. Shannon, what, how did the report work for you? And, and uh, you know, it has such a huge cast. Did it, wasn't as incendiary as you expected it to be, a political drama? Or, or did it uh, fall short of your expectations? I, I didn't have a lot of expectations prior to watching this film. I thought, well, let's just get into it and see how it goes. And I was pretty impressed. I appreciated how they had to go about improving how the methods of torture were not helpful by any means. Mm-hmm. And I, be- I believe it, it does something with the Genosha Act. Geneva, Geneva Act, I'm sorry, I'm thinking X-Men. The <laughs> um, <laughs> same sort of thing, line of thinking. There's a reason why they sound familiar. Anyway, I mean similar. So I appreciated, you know, all that work that they had to do to investigate the CIA. I appreciated having a little segment that showed how these torture techniques came into effect anyway in the first place. I appreciated there was a a brief showing of, hey, this is how we're actually getting helpful information without the torture techniques prior to when the torture techniques came in. Because I think in uh, Zero Dark Thirty, we see when it's being implemented and then when it's being shut down, Hmm. uh, rightly so. And it, it just, it was, it was interesting. It shows the desperateness and stupidity of the country because of that fear. Like, the fear is totally not questioning the fear. Uh, right. I am saying something about you did not act, the, the correct actions were not taken. So it, it makes me hope that it's not going to happen again because this film really makes you think of, like, okay, well, this is why it happened and it really shouldn't happen again. And it's very, you know, you have a, a feeling of logic and reasoning after watching this film and you just hope that it's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And I was I, I loved Adam Driver's performance. I am really starting to become a huge fan of his. Mm. He's had a good year. He's <clears throat> yeah, had a good very year. busy. You know, he did uh, that Jim Jarmusch zombie film we talked about a few episodes yeah. ago, and and this, and another movie we're about to talk about. Yeah. So I, th- I feel and like then Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. So I feel like he's getting quite a bit of variety. Mm-hmm. out of this year which and so is you know i'm just thinking on the star wars track so is lupita nyongo you know so mm. i feel like you know we've got some really wonderful talents uh blossoming this year yes so i expected this to be like this incendiary just like one of the best movies of the year like totally you know, emotionally and intellectually engaging and just riveting and all this sort of stuff. And it didn't, it, it, I would say it fell short of being a great film, mm. but I did find it absolutely riveting and infuriating Yeah, because one of the things that this film does well is actually put into image all the things we heard about was happening with the waterboarding, with the prolonged standing or 
the loud music to create create sleep deprivation. Yes, all this sort of stuff. And it is very upsetting. And it's upsetting when you hear how many times these things were done to one individual, all with the idea of trying to get a quote-unquote truth out of the individual it's it reminds me of memories of murder you know how like that was a depiction of how like no they're gonna this is this guy's definitely responsible and we're going to force the truth out of him you know that sort of thing yeah and this is like what happened in real life was an extreme version of of that in in this case scenario and you know you see them the the architects of this plan just kind of they just seem to be guessing. Well, they're manipulating reasons why it's working yeah. or like how why it's about to work and all this sort of stuff. And that was one of the uh, best aspects of, of this film. Annette Benning, this film, by the way, stars Corey Stoll, John Hamm, Annette Benning, and several others that include Maura Tierney and Michael C. Hall. Various degrees of, you know, size of roles. Annette Benning is getting uh, awards talk right now. And look, look I, I love Annette Benning. She was, was great in 20th Century Women and several other movies this decade. I don't think, like, this film, this performance is that noteworthy. That's worth showering in accolades or anything. I don't think, like, this movie... I think this movie, like, largely has an emotional distance to it outside of and in character distance to it outside of the the anger that you might feel and how, and how you might be riveted by just the information that's being discussed and and being revealed and and, and what happens with that information and stuff you know mm-hmm. so i th- think it's it's a fascinating and interesting film but if you're like hard pressed for like what are the best films i gotta see by the end of the year right now put it on the back burner stream it after uh the turn of the year or something i wouldn't say it's a high priority film but definitely worth one checking out if you're one that's so inclined to political dramas well i think also what you're forgetting is people who have watched 24 and people that have watched Zero Dark Thirty and a couple other things that escape me that happen around, you know, after September 11. Like, if you have witnessed, if you have watched those things, I and Sicario even, to some extent, like, it's important to go watch this film. I don't think that people should put it on the back burner of No Return. Right, no, definitely um, not. Because it, it really opens your eyes to, okay, they weren't just manipulating one person, pinning a murder, for instance, on one person. They were pinning things on a huge population of people. And I think that's really important. I think that's really important to go watch. You're absolutely <clears throat> right about that. So you recommend the film. What would you score it out of 10? I'd probably do like a, a seven just because... Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not an action film. It's it's not a glorious cinema cinematography experience. It's just it's it's matter of fact. There it is, but good nonetheless. I I one hundred percent agree with you. Uh, it is an important film because it is about accountability in a time that seems to be without any right now. So uh, it's it's definitely worth seeking out. But I give it a seven out of ten as well. So that's. Amazon's The Report, starring Adam Driver. And lastly, we have one more film that stars Adam Driver to discuss. That is Marriage Story by Noah Baumbach, starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson as a married couple who we learn within the first five minutes of the film is getting a divorce and what that divorce process is like especially since there is a kid involved in that marriage so shanna first i want to ask you before we get into the movie itself what what sort of experience do you have with noah bombach as a filmmaker and his his 
previous films. Are you a fan of his work? Is this your first Bombach feature? Where do you fall in the in the Bombachness? The Bombachity. <laughs> I am unaware of the Bombachiness or the Bombaching or the b- <laughs> the Bomber equation. You know, like, but. <laughs> I'm very happy to watch his films and give them a try yeah. after watching Marriage Story. Very good. Okay. And I would say for myself, I have seen four or five of his films. I've seen Squid and the Whale, Margot at the Wedding, Greenberg, Francis Haw, and his documentary about Brian De Palma. De Palma. And this is his sixth film that I have seen out of uh, 13 uh, films, I think. Uh, maybe maybe uh, 12 films. And I've never been a huge fan of his work. I guess, um, like, I, no, I mean, like, I've appreciated it, but I've never loved his work. Oh, like, okay. I've, I've always had a distance, a kind of a yeah. remove from his work in the past. Greenberg being maybe my quote-unquote favorite of them all, be, just because I thought it was a very different role and performance for Ben Stiller. And I think it introduced Greta Gerwig to me, if I remember correctly. You know, this is nine years ago. Marriage Story was definitely one that has a lot of praise heaped on it. More than any other Bombach film I've ever heard of, maybe except for The Squid and the Whale. What did you think of this film as an introduction to Bombach and as a story in general? Well, I mean, I think I'm converted. I want to go check out his other stuff. I did forget about Francis Ha. I believe I did watch that as well. And I I can't remember how much of a fan I was. I think I appreciated it, much like you, but wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch this again. Is it weird that I want to watch Marriage Story again, even though it it's about a difficult part of what could be a person's marriage? No, it is not weird. Okay. All right. It looked like a masochist or something. Okay. <laughs> I, I really love this film. I, I There's so many pieces any couple can relate to that happen in this film. Because it starts off saying, you know, what they love about each other. Yes. And it has this beautiful, you know, like if you were a cameraman and your spouse was a director and you were going to make a film about your family this is what it would look like you know it would look like this kind of treatment you're talking about the beginning of yeah. the film yeah and i'm like oh we should get on that <laughs> <laughs> because it has like a montage right yeah. while it has a voiceover all right? these moments of mm-hmm. like what i love about my spouse mm-hmm. yeah and it's so beautiful and you know when it's showing what Adam Driver appreciates about Scarlett Johansson, I'm like, oh, I really like this film. And then it switches to Scarlett Johansson talking about what she likes about Adam Driver. The filming changes. Oh, interesting. It's it's the subtle thing that's happening, but it changes. And I'm like, oh, I feel very uneasy now. <laughs> Where is mm-hmm. the story going? Yeah, it turns out to be a misdirection, right? Because yeah. It turns out, and I can share this because it's the very beginning of the movie. It doesn't really spoil anything. It's actually uh, things that they wrote out in therapy to help with the transition of the divorce. Because the idea being to remember, you know, amongst all the BS that happens, all the negative negativity and stuff that can happen during a divorce, remember that this there is a person in front of you that you loved at some point. And so that was, I agree with you. That was almost masterful and very, I could kind of see it coming only because I knew what it was about. And if I didn't know what it was about, am I been like, Oh wow. So I didn't, I didn't know what this was going to be about. Ah. So that's why I was so attuned to the clues they were giving me, mm-hmm. which I, I love, you know. Mm-hmm. You know how much I love being right. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's only two minutes before whatever's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I really love that, you know, you see how messy things get in this movie. And we can all relate to having a really bad fight with our spouse. 
where we say things that we really don't mean, but we're so infuriated because we can't communicate what we want to communicate. We can't gain the compassion that we need in that second because both parties are hurt. Mm-hmm. And Adam Driver's performance was, I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> he he said a couple things that were like the worst thing you can say to your spouse, There's, right? Yeah, I don't want to... To the point where he... But yes, it's very ugly, yeah. He realized what he's just said. Yeah. And he realizes he didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. And he's just crying, hyperventilating, mm-hmm. trying to calm down. Are you going to cry? I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me take over for a moment here and, and express... Oh, while well, I pull myself together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> First of all, like, you know, I was looking for that movie this year that just hits me and it just jumps, leaps to the top of my list of best of the year. And I was expecting The Irishman to be that and it was not. I, I find myself very much not connecting with that film the way so many people have you know it's it might crack my top 20 but definitely not my top five kind of thing marriage story is the movie i was looking for Hmm. it is it's so damn good it's the best thing i've ever seen noah bombach do out of the six movies i've seen of his It, it and that part of it is because it's subtle. It's subtle in its direction. It's subtle in its performances. I find myself knowing the situation, watching every little thing they do together, every small reaction they have towards everything, even when they were together, they being Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. When those characters were even together, I was watching, I find myself watching, like, how are they reacting to what the other person says in any given situation are we seeing little little tiny things that add up to where we where this couple ends up being Mm. you know and how do they respond during the course of the divorce you know what's really impressive and sometimes envious about them is they are very amicable and friendly and loving towards each other even during this divorce even when it gets ugly right they they try to get along they try doing for doing things for each other right trying having conversations or discussions with each other right they often come from a very loving place to start out with in many of the scenes and that is really interesting and I know people who can relate to that, who's had that experience. Not me, unfortunately, but I know people who have. But there are other things, so many other things in this film that is incredibly relatable. And like I, 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 I've experienced that. I've been there. I know that. You know, just little, little life things like costumes you know issues with the costumes on halloween you know conflicting costumes between the parents or like there's there's a parking ticket issue right where he's trying to get out of a park and he's like stretching trying to get to the little machine oh god you know? I, I that's my life too there's so many things <laughs> like that it's like i've been there you know conversations conflicts all these kinds of things this movie has a lot of actors, by the way. I was really uh, surprised by how many people showed up in this film. You got Laura Dern. You got Wallace Shawn. I was so you know, excited to see Laura Dern. I was excited to see Wallace Shawn, honestly. <laughs> and he's playing a very different character, too, for himself. Alan Alda. I didn't know Ray Liotta was in the film. Uh, I was like, whoa, Ray Liotta. Is that Ray Liotta? That's Ray Liotta. That was pretty cool. There was one other. Who plays the mom? Julie Haggerty. Julie Haggerty's in this movie as Scarlett Johansson's mom. Merritt Weaver plays her sister. You know, it's a, a wonderful cast, and they are all so so wonderful in this. You know, Julie Haggerty especially. I loved her and the relationship she has with Adam Driver while simultaneously recognizing how much more difficult that relationship made things for Scarlett Johansson's character, right? Mm-hmm. Just so many beautiful touches. And the film is abs- it comes to a very moving climax 
uh, that kind of comes full circle in a way that I won't spoil. It is mourning a past life, essentially. And it's, it's very, ten, very um, tenderly handled and absolutely beautiful, much like the rest of this film. Oh, <laughs> there's, even, there's even humor, like when a court orders someone to observe the parents with a child or whatever. Oh, my God. There's some funny stuff that happens with it. And we totally recognize how incredibly awkward that system is in the first place because you can't help but be, like, thinking every minute, like, is what I'm saying or doing or or reacting, how this kid's reacting, going to reflect poorly on the situation or me. And, you know, every little thing, it doesn't matter what it is, you know? Um, The kid could act up and you're like... Come on, pal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not yeah. the normal. I'm gonna count to three for you to get your shit. Together. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, because you you are looking, you're side eyeing the person on the other end of the room who's yeah. alert, right? You know, so there's a lot of great stuff in this film. And one last thing before we wrap up, I just gotta shout out this one shot in the film that's so great that it has to do with the gate that was closing, and it's just like. Their faces are right near each other, and this gate closes in between them. It's just such an awesome, perfect, wonderful shot in the film that encapsulates so much about the situation. I just had to give that shout out because I, I didn't want to forget about that. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of movies that are standouts this year that are about something, that are about the greater world that we're living in, about the politics, about the the hierarchies of the rich and the poor or the immigrants or whatever. About you know, Star Wars. About whatever. And Adam Driver's in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is it, there's all these really great movies, but here's a movie that is about something small and very personal, and it is the one that rises above them all. Mm. I, I really love this one. I think this one's probably going to make my top five. Really? I think so. I yeah. think so because it's just, it's kind of like Band Aid for me. You know, it's. A very different movie. Different, a much more humorous sure. take. But what I mean is dealing with what a lot of us could possibly experience or what someone who we know is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think Marriage Story is is a strong contender for best movie of the year. I could see why it is on 30-plus best-of-the-year lists, as it is, and it, it's very likely to to make mine as well in a few weeks. So uh, I give it a 9 out of 10. Oh, me too. I'm on the same page as you. Very cool. We don't have a lightning round this time like we did last year because our schedule was such that like we were trying to get in whatever we could with work schedule and other things so this is this about does it for our 2019 roundup we still have a few movies to try to catch up on for our next episode the best of the year episode we gotta try to find parasite we got to try of course star wars little Little Women. women Maybe even Bombshell, Bombshell if we I'd can. like that one. Yep, we have a few to try to take into consideration and whatnot before the end of the year. But feel free to let us know, A, what you think about the movies we discussed this year. Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. And what movies are still on your plate that you need to catch up with before composing your own list of the best of the year uh, as well. So, Shannon, before uh, we talk a little bit more in depth about the future episodes of The Movie Lovers, why don't you share with everyone where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography. Very easy. Bye-bye. Excellent. And a pretty good Instagram follow, too, as a matter of fact. On Instagram, uh, you can find me at the gibson 99 you can go to facebook as well the gibson review 
to find movie-related posts on both those platforms. I try to keep them very different too. So one experience will be different from another. And Instagram, for example, has polls and Instagram story about movies and where you get to actually like vote for your favorites or what you think are the best, depending on the theme of the poll. Go to thegibsonreview.com for all things Gibson Review and the movie lovers. You'll find past articles, past reviews. The best of the 2010 series is on there, and every episode of The Movie Lovers is on there to stream from, too. You can find The Movie Lovers on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe. If there's a rating option on the podcatcher, please do so so other movie lovers can find us. And I don't think I've mentioned this in a while, Shanna, but you can go to Flickchart. Find me there at the Gibson 99 as well. <laughs> I need to update the Flickchart with uh, the 2019 list. Get yeah. all those um, back in there. I think you're in the same boat yeah, as me, I too. I definitely have some homework to do. Yeah, I think that'll we'll probably... see what will happen. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll probably be helpful I mean, as we craft our lists of the year, too. Right now, we are exactly 10 days away from Christmas, people. That's right. That's so we will just have to see what happens. Yes. Uh, and by the way, because this is hitting Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays Merry Christmas. to all of you lovely movie lovers out there. I might actually, it does make me want to put something on the Instagram story about Christmas movies uh, to carry us over. You know, we have our pile of Christmas movies ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I think our son, he wants to watch this year, he wants to watch A Christmas Story and Home Alone. And those are his priorities this year. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's Love Actually. And for me, I want to do Alf, A Christmas Story. And I could take or leave National Lampoon, but I think mm. it's a fun one to do. Oh, it's one of my favorites of yeah. all time. Absolutely. So, so, so we're going to watch it then? I would love to. I would love to. I don't know why I'm thumbing through my notes. I'm looking at the wrong notes. So let's take a look at the future uh, episodes of The Movie Lovers. So you have this episode that just hit on Christmas Eve. We're going keep an eye out because sometime this week, if not already, you should see a bonus episode Talking about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, that's all that episode is, is all Star Wars. We we recognize that could take some time, so keep an eye out for that. That bonus episode should be up. And then come the 7th of January will be our next official episode of The Movie Lovers, the best of 2019. Followed by another bonus episode where we look at the twenty twenty the year twenty twenty to come. So our twenty twenty preview. What movies are we looking forward to next year? And then January we're, we'll finish up with the best of the decade, best of the twenty tens episode. That will help wrap up the best of the twenty tens article ser- series of articles. The next one of that one will be my picks for the ten best movies of the decade that'll probably hit after the my best and worst films of 2019 article so just keep an eye out i will link everything on social media or just add the gibsonreview.com to your bookmarks and uh, check in from time to time there's probably going to be something every single week from here on out for the next six weeks so lots of exciting busy fun stuff Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye and Merry Christmas.